Today's reading is from Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of, of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Thanks, Abby. I don't want to hear it about the tie. And my, my contract states twice a year I have to wear these things. I feel like Dwight Schrute. I can't breathe or move. Um, thank you. Um, good morning. If I don't know you, uh, my name is Sean. I'm the lead pastor or teaching pastor here for Redemption Peoria. Um, if you are new, um, just know a little bit about Redemption. We're one church. We have 10 different congregations spread across the state of Arizona. Um, each congregation is elder-led and lead pastor-led. And we have theological and philosophical convictions as to why we do it the way that we do. Um, so if you're new, like maybe a family member in town, or you have questions about that, I'm going to be by the Connect desk, to the right of the Connect desk, uh, after service, come up, say hi, ask whatever questions you need to. Myself and some elders will be over there. We'd love to, to walk you through all that. Um, I want to just let you know, if you want to get plugged in and stay plugged in, there's a number that we're going to throw on the screen, 623-850-4690. Text the word CONNECT. That's going to help you go to uh, a Connect card that connects to classes, but there's one class specifically I want to put in front of you. It's our Start Here class. And if you plan on staying here, making Redemption Pure your home, that's going to be the best place to get uh, started at our Start Here class. It goes through our culture, theologies, a lot of ways to, to engage, and then eventually plug you into a redemption community, which we feel like is the, the best way to stay connected uh, at Redemption Peoria. Okay, I only have one announcement outside of letting you guys know and remind you about tonight at 5 o'clock. If you, you want to be here, uh, we're going to have 5 o'clock Christmas Eve service. Um, and that is, uh, Josh Miles has worked really hard to put together a Christmas gift for all of us. If you're not aware, uh, we had a night of worship uh, the Saturday night before Advent, which was to set up our whole night of adoption. We revolved it around that, and, and it was really awesome. But we took that night, and we, we uh, explained we're going to try to get as many people in the room and sing the songs we sing on Sunday and then record it so that we as a congregation can have the music throughout the week. Uh, and total confession, I have, like, for the last year, anytime I know we're going to sing a song that I want to keep, I take my phone and I just put it down and just record a scene because I love hearing our congregation sing. But that's all, like, bootleg stuff. I don't got to do that anymore because we got it official. Um, so um, if you want that recording, it is totally free. Uh, Josh has put it together uh, that whole night uh, and the worship that's gone on in there. Uh, so here's what you want to do if you want that uh, Christmas gift is um, uh, redemptionpeoria.bandcamp.com. That's all you got to do. Go to redemptionpeoria, all one word, redemptionpeoria.bandcamp.com. Go there. You'll see it free download. Uh, download that night. We're super excited to be able to do that. We, our goal is to raise some money for uh, the foster care and adoption crisis uh, that night and then uh, today as well, which I'll explain uh, in our response time. So anyway, redemptionpeoria.bandcamp.com. You can download that night. Uh, for whatever it's worth. So let's do this. Let's jump in. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can open to Romans 8, as Abby just read. Um, and I want to catch you up. If you're new, you're kind of coming in at the end of the movie, right? So you might not be familiar with where we are. Um, what we did is we started our Advent season, the four weeks from Thanksgiving to Christmas, and we devoted our time towards uh, the doctrine of adoption. And the reason we're doing this is a recognition that it's good for us to know, as the people of God, what it means to be adopted, but also to put in front of us the adoption crisis that is out there, 18,000 children 
who need to be adopted, and, and we believe wholeheartedly it's the church's uh, responsibility to engage in that problem. Now, um, where we started and how we did this whole thing was we took prepositions and added them uh, to the word adopted. So we've been adopted. At first we went through, we were adopted by, and then we, went, we were adopted from, and then we went to adopted for, and then today we're going to cover adopted to. Now, the first week adopted by, we spent um, uh, our time in Romans 8, 31 through 39. But the rest of the three weeks, including today, we chose to hone in on four verses in Romans 8, verses 14 through 17. So the first week uh, that we went as we spent time is the adopted from uh, category. And we spent on the, the first uh, a part of the verses in 14 uh, and into 15. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into slavery. We started there because we recognize, hey, listen, we've been adopted by this God who loves us, by this God who cares for us, by this God who is sovereign and judges well and is generous and is powerful. But then we had to talk about something. And maybe you were um, uh, saved later in life to remember what it was like not to be saved. And remember, at one point in your life, you had a spirit of slavery. And maybe you're in this room right now and you go, well, I'm not a Christian and I don't think I have a spirit of slavery. What the Bible's putting in front of you, whether you believe it or not, at this point, just this is what the Bible has said. This is what we impacted a few weeks ago, that we had a spirit of slavery. We've been rescued from that spirit of slavery. And then what we did is we took the same passage and we did the other book end of it and we covered the last tail end of it, which is we've been adopted for. And this was last week. So if you're new, just kind of know where you're coming into, what you're coming into. Uh, we said, okay, we've been adopted by this God from the spirit of slavery. Well, for what? What's the purpose? And it has this little caveat, uh, the doctrine of adoption, that we are part of the family of God, uses this word there that um, should at least have us question this word provided. So this is only true if provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. And that what we unpacked last week was this idea that we've been brought into the family of God to suffer, not just on our own, not just aimlessly, but intentionally with Christ. And, and, and what I tried to put in front of us, that to suffer with Christ is to suffer with those who are suffering. So that's what we've been adopted for. And then today we get the crescendo, the, the middle of it, uh, uh, the, the, between the bookends, we get, but you have been received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And if I've done my job right, um, and as we've unpacked 14 through 17, my hope would be that you would hear what um, this section of verses says and you would go, well, yeah, that's what I assumed. Meaning, uh, if you grew up in church, you know immediately if you've been saved from the spirit of, a, uh, of slavery, you've been adopted. Well, the opposite of a slave, biblically, is a son. And you would just go, well, yeah, that's, that's what I assumed. And so as we go through this, I want you to know this. Now, where I want to start is uh, something I talked about a few weeks ago. And just talking about why we picked Romans 8, this section. Um, it's not just because it has the word adoption in it. Hear me when I say this. Um, Romans 8 is so good, you guys. It's so, so good. I tried to encourage you a while back. Um, if you get a chance to dive into it, take some time, memorize it, meditate on it. I want to read something from Charles Spurgeon because um, uh, I want to make big of Romans 8 because that's actually where we're going to finish. Romans 8, 14 through 17 finds itself in a context of all of Romans 8. And hear what this says from a man Spurge. This is what it says. This chapter, the eighth chapter of Romans, is like the Garden of Eden, full of all manner of delights. Here you have all necessary doctrines to feed upon and luxurious truths to which to satisfy your soul. Let's say one might never be allowed to preach from any other part of God's word. 
If this were the case, one might find a sermon in every line. No, more than that, whole volumes might be found in a single sentence. We must not exalt one part of God's word above another. Yet, as one star differs from another star in glory, this one seems to be a star of the first magnitude, full of the brightness of the grace and truth of God. It is altogether an inexhaustible mine of spiritual wealth, and I invite the saints of God to dig into it again and again and again. And so what I want to do is we've chosen this. I want to make Romans 8 big, specifically the section of verses that we're in, and answer the big question, what have we been adopted to? And we're going to come back to that idea, but let's read the section of Scripture that Abby came up and uh, read, and then we'll start to unpack this. Here, Here it is. Let's go. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That word but is obviously coming in contrast of you no longer have a spirit of slavery to, to live your life in fear, to go back into fear. But that the converse is true, that now you have received a different spirit. Now, before we get to the word adoption, we've got to unpack the spirit because maybe you're new and you don't know uh, uh, exactly where we would stand on this. Listen, ultimately we believe, and if you're new and you're not a Christian, you're coming to a Christian church, you probably assume we already believe this. We believe in the spiritual, okay? So I want to state this up front. We believe there are spirits, there are, there are demons, and there are angels. That's all true. But what I tried to do is unpack the idea of when he uses the spirit of slavery. I use this commentary from this guy named Elliot Cott, who talked about this like dominant frame of mind. I, I don't think he quite literally meant there is a spirit of slavery on you, but rather you had a way that you processed the world. And when we hear now this spirit, as you look at your Bible, what you're going to notice is that first spirit was a lowercase s, okay? But now look at the spirit of adoption. It's, a, it's an uppercase. And, and the ESV translators, if you have an ESV, and I think the other translations do it as well, they're saying something, they're communicating something. And I don't think it's an either or. I don't think you've gone from a frame of mind to now you've received the spirit of God. I think what he's saying is the way you used to process life, you were a slave to disobedience, your own passions. Now hear me. I think some of you, maybe if you're not a believer, or you look back in your own life and go, well, I wasn't a slave. I believe you believe that. I think you think that's true. But what the Bible said, you were a slave to yourself, to what, to, to what you wanted, your own desires, your own proclivities. But, but that's not true. That, that, that habit, those domineering thoughts are no longer the spirit that you have. But it's not just an either or. It's a now you view differently, but it's more than just viewing something differently. Now you actually do have the spirit of God within you, which does cause you to think differently. Now, um, it's important that we, we unpack that before we go to the spirit of adoption. Because my story has been, I, I feel like, helpful uh, in, in understanding this doctrine of adoption. Meaning, if you don't know, I grew up poor and homeless and was adopted and brought into a family. And here's what I knew. When I was adopted, um, the way that I understood parenting, the way that I understood finances, the way that I understood responsibility, the way that I understood chores, the way that I understood school, the way that I understood love, I recognized had to change because I was trying to filter it through this lens that just wasn't true. And so when you hear this, let's just make this obvious before we break down the word adoption. Just know this is true. If you were a believer, the way you used to view the world should be different now. Your worldview, your desires, that should be true of you. And so before you had a spirit of slavery, but now you have a different spirit, the spirit of adoption. The word adoption, it's, um, it's tricky. Here's the problem with the word adoption. Um, if you were to go look at the word adoption, every time it appears in the New Testament, you will never find it alone 
um, absent from the four words that we read. The four words being, uh, you have the spirit of adoption as sons. Every time you read the word adoption in the Greek New Testament, you're going to see as sons. And that is, um, well, we're forced to do it. Because here's the reality. There is no Greek word for adoption. And if you're not familiar, the original manuscripts in which the Bible is written, um, uh, it doesn't have this word. So, so, so what do we do with this? Now, um, what, what's happening here, and the reason we're going to always see our sons is, is a big deal. So kind of track with me if you can. What's happening in Greek is there's these two words that are mashed together, okay? Um, this happens a lot in other languages. Like in, if you're familiar with the German language, it happens a lot. But we also do it in English, um, and, and, and it's kind of different. So we have compound words. If you're not familiar with a compound word, it's two regular words that we put together. Hot dog, railroad, right? So we put these words together. But there's sometimes in the English language, which we can get at the word adoption, that we have an option to make a new word, but we don't, right? So we have uh, football, and we have American football, and then the world's football. But for American football, we've come to come up with a new word, soccer, right? But there's certain words where we've chosen not to do that because we feel like the compound word, these two words together, best express what's trying to be communicated. The, the best example that I can give is one I thought of last night. It's the word earthquake. All we have in the word earthquake is we have earth, which is a noun, and quake, which is a verb. We're saying the earth is quaking. That's all we got. We don't do this with other natural disasters. We don't call tornadoes spinny winds, okay? We, we don't call hurricanes whirly water. It's, it's, it's there. We have other words. We just choose not to, to make these uh, compound words into one word and because we're trying to communicate something. What's, what are we saying in earthquake? The earth is quaking. It, it's moving. It's shaking. If the earth started to shake right now and someone said, world shaker, like we'd be like, what are you talking about? No, we, we, we know earthquake as a word there. And, and what's happening in Greek is these two words are trying to express this word. It's trying to uh, express something beyond it. And it's the word heos to the mind. Now, you, you don't need to know Greek. Just know this. Heos is the word son. And to the mind is to place. Heos to the my, that one Greek word, is all four words in English. It's the spirit of adoption as sons. And you can hear it. What he's trying to express is there has been a placement of a son. You, you, S-O-N, obviously. We, we've gone from this place of slavery, and it's not that you've just been removed from slavery, out of slavery, and it's done, but now you have been placed as a son. Now, this could, might be able to go without staying, but um, I want to make sure it's clear um, why he uses the term son. And if you grew up in church, you're, you're probably familiar with this. He's not being male domineering or sexist or anything like that. that there's, there's something expressed in sonship um, that, that Paul is trying to unearth here. He could have used sons and daughters, but he uses son intentionally. Um, and, and, well, if you didn't grow up in church, just know, just kind of a simplification of this. For a son, he's to receive the first blessing before a daughter. And maybe you don't like that. Um, but here's what's crazy. I, I was uh, reading about this this week. Um, we actually have this pretty early um, in, our, in our future uh, in England, just across the lake. What you had up until 2011, there was something called the secession to the, uh, to the throne or to the crown act in 2011 passed that essentially said males no longer have preference over females. Because up to that point before 2011, in England, what was always put in place was if a boy was born, even if a, a daughter was older, the boy had preference or uh, was put before the, the, the woman there, the lady there, the girl there, um, to, to be queen. He would be king before she would be queen. And then in 2011, they said, that's not okay, and that's not what we're going to do. But hear me, 
I don't need you to get lost in the sexism conversation or woman's right conversation. That's, if you hear that, you're missing the point. Well, what's trying to be expressed here is this idea of whether you are male or you are female. Hear, hear this. Whether you are male or you are female, you now have rightful access to the throne. You've not just come from slavery, but you've been put into a position to receive the benefits of the father, male or female. It's trying to communicate an idea, a culture, a point, more than it is just this this idea of male, female, why not sons or daughters? He's trying to put in front of us this one, in this one word, the compacting nature of that, that you've been removed from slavery, uh, as a, holding the spirit of slavery, and now you are in the position of a son. So um, here's what's crazy about that. If it was to end there, that would be good news, wouldn't it be? Like if that was just on the table, we just read, received the spirit of adoption as sons, and we just ended. Hear me, that's good news. That is good news, that at one moment in your life, you were destined for a path of destruction. You've been brought off that path of destruction, and you've been brought into a better place, a place to receive the benefits of that house. I watched a documentary this week uh, on these kids who are slaves mining cobalt, and they, one of the kids, as he was brought into a really wealthy home, he's brought into this home, and he just made this statement, I've never been in a house like this. For him, that in itself would be good enough, wouldn't it be? That would be good enough. So... Um, to explain how it doesn't just stop there, let me revisit an example I tried to give a while back from a guy named uh, Rick McKinley. Um, I want you to imagine there's an eight-year-old. He's been in the foster care system his whole life. Doesn't know who his parents are. Uh, he's about to turn nine. On his ninth birthday, he gets adopted by this family. He spent some time with them, they spent, and they chose to adopt him. And, and the day that he gets adopted, he gets the court papers to show that he's adopted. And he's screaming and cheering. I gave this example, right? I'm adopted. I'm adopted. Everywhere he goes, he's going, I'm adopted. He brings these papers to school. I'm adopted. This is good news. I'm ad- to his teachers, I'm adopted. To his friends, I'm adopted. And this goes on day after day. And you're super jacked for the kid. He's got his own room. He's got his own bed. I mean, he has so much more than what he had before. Until one day, one of the TAs, as he's going around, he goes, dude, that's so great you're adopted. It's so weird, though. Like, you always talk about um, being adopted as, like, you have this legal guardian now, but you never talk about your parents. Do you, like, when you talk with the dad, like, are you loved? Does the dad love you? And let's just pretend the nine-year-old goes, well, no, I, I talked with him, and he says he doesn't really care about me that much. But, honestly, it doesn't matter to me because I'm not in the system anymore. Like, he's going to take care of me from this point on. He's going to provide me a college education. He's going to help me get through high school. He's going to help me get a career eventually. He'll buy me my first car. I mean, I have a place to live now. But, but you're saying he doesn't love you. Well, no, but I, I don't really care if he loves me. I've been adopted. Now, if I was to tell that story and put it in front of you, let's say it's a real story, you would go, dude, I feel sorry for the kid. Here's the problem. Like, you continue over and over and over to process your relationship, your adoption, through the lens of, here's a $100 word, your justification. That Jesus has set you free from slavery. Yes and amen. That Jesus has brought you out of the clutches of what you were in before and brought you into the household of God. Yes and amen. But it doesn't end there. You've relied on your justification for so long, and it's good. And we look at that kid and we say, we're so grateful he's out of the system. But hear me. You're loved. 
He didn't just bring you into his home. He wanted to bring you into his home. He loves having you in his home. Let me prove it to you. Listen to this. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. Not by whom we cry, legal, guardian, court-appointed, elder. No, hear me. You're not just set free from the spirit of slavery, brought in, being adopted into the household of God. You are welcomed with gigantic flexing arms saying, you're mine. I love you. And it's redundant intentionally to go, daddy, father. Here's what's so bizarre about this. Adopting Anna, our our, our one-year-old daughter, I can just do this to her. And she knows I want to pick her up. But the inverse is true also. When she comes to me with her hands high, I know what she wants. I've spent time with her. I have equity with her. I have relationship with her. Hear me. He wants that with you. You understand? It's not meant just to be transactional. You're removed from slavery and now you're adopted. No, hear me. You're removed from slavery. You're adopted into a family that wants to know you. He wants to be with you. He wants to have communion with you. He wants to cry with you. He wants to rejoice with you. He wants to be close. It's by that idea that we cry, Abba, Father. That's the adoption we have. Now, what Paul does next is pretty interesting. He takes verses 16 and 17, and he takes 16, and he says, well, let's see if that's true. He puts our hearts to the test. He says, let's see if that's true. I can tell you how you know if that's true, this. And what he's asking, whether it's true or not, is have you been adopted? Can you cry, Abba, Father? Do you belong to the household of God? This is what he says in verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Since I've been probably 17 or 18, I got saved when I was 15, 16 years old, and I started discipling guys when I was about 17 or 18 years old. And I would say top three questions ever since I've been discipling people, um, one of the questions I always run into over and over and over again is when a guy or gal is struggling with their faith, how do I know I'm saved? Like, how do I know I'm a believer I'm part of the household of God. And maybe even right now, you're wrestling with that exact thing. And this is the question on the table. The Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. There's your answer. The Spirit is bearing witness. But for us, we don't really know what that means. So how do I know I'm adopted? So if this is true, how how do I know? Well, the Spirit is bearing witness. And I I think there's three ways that the Spirit bears witness. Um, The first way is a, a little more subjective. And here's how you can know if you're adopted in the household of God, um, is, and this is tough because if you're a believer in here, my hope would be you would go, yes. And if you're a non-believer, it's probably harder to get your mind around. It feels a little distant and, and again, subjective, but it's in the word right before Abba Father. And I would just look at the word in in verse 15, by whom we cry. How how is the spirit bearing witness in you? How do you know you're part of the household of God, that these truths of adoption are about you? I don't, man, believers, I think you can, I hope you can resonate with this. There's something within you that goes, I need you. There's something that will not let you go far from him. When you spend too much time away from his word, it's like I'm dying inside. When you feel like you haven't opened your mouth and said something out loud to him in a while, you feel like you're dying inside. There's something in you, a churning within you that makes you cry. So that's the first way that the spirit would bear witness. The second way is a little more object, uh, objective. You can turn to your Bibles. We're already there in Romans 8. Let's use the text to unpack what he's saying here. Look back at verse 9. Before we ever got to verse 16, look at 9. It says this. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And if in the spirit, I'm sorry, and if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, 
anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if uh, Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through, uh, through the, his spirit who dwells in you. Verse 12, so then... Brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Here it is, the money statement. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Here's a second way the Spirit is bearing witness according to this text. You're going to hate the things God hates. You're going to hate sin. So it's not just, God, I'm crying out. I know there's something within me. The Spirit is doing something. I'm, uh, it's churning me. It's causing me to evaluate all of my life and go, that's not okay. Like I know I, I may want it and desire it, but as I'm reading God's Word, feeling this weird thing called conviction, as I'm feeling this, I'm looking, I'm going, I, I should hate that. It's, it's doing something within me that's not okay. I love what Deuteronomy 4 says, that beware, pass these commandments and these laws to your children's children. Beware and watch over your soul with them. That he begins to point out things because it's good for your soul. So pornography may be a physical thing that you're doing, but it's spiritually destroying your soul. That greed may be just wanting more money or stealing more money, but it's destroying your soul. It's true for anger. It's true for all these other desires that we can think we're okay with. But if the Spirit truly is bearing witness, the second way you can recognize is you're going to hate the things of the flesh. You're going to hate those. You're going to look at them. You're going, I hate this because God hates this. And then the third way um, we get to the end of our text, which is fellow heirs with Christ. I think ultimately uh, you're going to get to Jesus. If the Spirit is bearing witness in you and you want to know if you're, you've been adopted into the family of God um, and you are, you are an heir with Christ, um, you're going to be and get to glorify, spend time with Jesus Christ. It's hard to read John 14 and not even know that to be the case, that, that the Holy Spirit is always leading us to Christ over and over and over again. Now, if that's true of you, then we get to go to verse 17. So verse 16 was, okay, well, let, let's read it again. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. How do we know that's true? If that's true, if that's what the Spirit is doing, he is bearing witness, you're saying yes and amen, that's true, then hear this, you ready? And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and we're going to come back to this last part, fellow heirs with Christ. Um, so to unpack this, I got some excitement, a little bit of excitement within me. If you're not familiar with how redemption uh, operates, we, we teach through Bibles, uh, through Bibles, we teach through the Bible, not many Bibles, one Bible, um, we teach you the Bible uh, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, okay? And so what we do is we take a whole book and we try to unpack it to the best of our ability and get at it. Now, there are certain moments where um, my job is, as the teaching pastor for Redemption Peoria, I know something is coming up and I want to like shoot the fireworks off early and let it go, but I just got to be here and know, oh, we're going to see this and when we get there, it's going to connect and we're going to be like, no. Okay, this is going to be, this is all over Ephesians. We're going to spend 11 months in Ephesians, uh, which is only six chapters. And it's, we're just going to continue to go after it over and over and over again. And there's certain parts where I'm going to want to explode. It's just like, I'm going to lose my mind. But here's what's crazy. This idea of adoption, uh, this doctrine of adoption, where we started is how we get to come back around to kind of tie the bow on it. Meaning we've been adopted by answers the question of what type of heirs we are part of. So when you read the words, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, 
well, listen, if I take a 10-year-old kid and say, hey, here's your family, this is who you're adopted into, and he begins to ask questions about who they are, that's going to change his future life. Meaning, if I say, hey, this is a family, they make $10,000 a year, they live in HUD housing, government housing, um, that's your new life, okay? Or, or the opposite, go, hey, here's your new family, they're, they're millionaires, they live in a $2 million home in North Scottsdale. Well, immediately you're going, well, well that, that's drastically different lifestyles, And so for us to ask, or or at least to see that we've been heirs of God, we get to go full circle and go back, well then, whose household are we going into? And and just for a refresher course, I want to remind you of that. Because maybe you forgot, this is whose house you've been brought into, who you've been adopted to. This is who it is. Have you forgotten that, that we start with, if we look at his resume, he is a God of power. That you are heirs to a patriarch who is powerful. Remember Elijah? Remember the fire from heaven? Gideon, 300 soldiers. Do I need to remind you of this? The Exodus, him creating all things. That the, the, the air that you are a part of now, that you are under, that you've been adopted into, is powerful. But he's not just powerful, he's generous with his power. Do you remember this? As he takes the people of Exodus, he takes them, he provides water in crazy ways through a rock, food in crazy ways through the air of birds. Like Gideon, when he got down to the 300, he provided. He provides for Elijah. He provides for David. And I try to put in front of you, I've experienced this firsthand, that God over and over has provided for me. Have you forgotten? Remember, we've been adopted by now, uh, looking at his resume, that ain't none of us bringing anything to the table. See, you've been adopted into a family that does not care how good or bad you've been. You understand? This is good news because uh, in our communities, we're going to find a woman out of prostitution sitting in a living room with a dude who's never said a swear word before. And so they're meant to live communally together. And here's what's awesome about that. The woman who is a prostitute is no far off from Jesus Christ than the man who found his righteousness in his own works. That God is not looking at your resume going, well, I got a bunch of kids I want to adopt. Which ones are the best? Tell me the GPAs. Uh, Tell me, are they uh, involved in extracurricular activity? No, that's not what is going on. The family that you are an heir to is on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ's righteousness alone. That's it. You've been brought in where your older brother has got it all together for you. It's good news. And we go on and on and on, right? Not only is he a just forgiver, not only is he powerful, is he giving, but we talked about how love is a verb, not just a noun, that he loves us, his love is towards us, that we are secure in him. But there's something in this text that I, I want to unpack in the family we've been adopted by that might just be missed if we just casually read over it. And it's one letter in that text. Look at it. Look at uh, uh, 17 again. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God. Uh, what I, I, I need you to notice is what it's not saying. And if children, then an heir, an heir of God. That's not what it's saying. That, that S makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? And here's what's crazy. We have not just been adopted as individuals. Look at me, look at me. We're in this together. We're family. So let me step away from this, like, for a moment. Let's just acknowledge this season for a second. The next 48 hours, um, for some in the room, are going to be awesome, Right? Like you got cousins you haven't seen in years coming into town. You're going to see them tonight. Your kids tomorrow are going to open up gifts. I'm in this really sweet season right now where my kids uh, love it. They're excited for it. Eve, I can get her toilet paper roll and she just wants to unpack something. It's just a really good season. 
and maybe like for, for like after Christmas Eve service tonight at five, which I assume you'll all be there. Um, like a- after that service, you, you're going to go and you're going to go to a party and spend time with family. And it's just a good season. Maybe that sounds terrible to you, but that's overall, you're going to be with people. Okay. So, so, so that might be true, but, but hear me, if we are heirs together, then look at me, we're a family together. And there are some people it's not going to be as sweet, is it? Like some people are going to be by themselves. They're, they're going to be lonely. And, and here's what's, what's important for us to know. That S makes all the difference in the world when we approach, even right now. It's every day, but Christmas is important right now because it does two things. The first person who is in the sweet season and, is love, and loves what they have, listen, hear me. Let, let, let's talk about it. Invite. If you know somebody who doesn't have a place to go for Christmas in this room right now, invite them. But hear me, the second person, if you have nowhere to go, don't be that dude. No, I'm good. I'm just, no, you're not. You're eating Cheetos and watching The Office on Christmas Eve. That's not good. You're not good there. So, so hear me, ask. Worst comes to worst, like, because like, I'm in that sweet season, I'll go, actually, man, this time we're really setting for our family, but you're more invited to come to this. Ask. But as a family, we are heirs together. And we will not fully understand this until we see Jesus face to face. But hear me, right now we should live out the reality that it's true. We are heirs together. That's such good news that we've been brought together in that way. Now, we finish out with this last statement. So not only, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God. What that means, I think, beautiful but fellow heirs, and then the two most important words in all of the Bible, fellow heirs with Christ. Now, um, I'm not overstating that when I say that. I think the most two important words put together in all of the Bible are with Christ. So, so you can be um, invited in and be adopted by a God of power and love, and that's true. You can have now a family, a place to be involved with and, and, and get to know one another. And that's true. Yes and amen to all those things. But without Christ, I don't want it. Without Christ, I don't want it. I don't want the room. I don't want the bed. Leave me in the system. If I get Christ, that's what I want. All the benefits that we've been adopted to at the top of that list is Jesus Christ. Now, this is where it becomes monumentally important for you to understand Romans 8 as a whole because every benefit that we've talked about, that we've been adopted into, is only true with Christ. So I set out this week to go, what have we been adopted to and why is with Christ so important? And I started to compile this list through the whole New Testament and I got a little over 200 things to put in front of you what you've been adopted to. Now, that was way too many, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to end where we started. If Spurgeon's right, that Romans 8 is like the Garden of Eden, there's fruit everywhere, that we can see the beauty of being in Christ, with Christ, to live for Christ, accepted by Christ. If it's there in Romans 8, then let's just take Romans 8. And what I came up with is 30 things. You want to know what you've been adopted to? there's anything else to be excited about, that now that you have with Christ, let me tell you what is true. There are 30 points I'm going to give you right now. 30. Let's start. Open your, you can see it. Open your Bibles. Verse one. Look at this. With Christ, we are no longer under any condemnation. Verse two. With Christ, we are set free from the law of sin and death. With Christ, he has condemned sin in his flesh on our behalf. 
With Christ, our minds are set, directed, focused to the things of the Spirit. With Christ, we now have life and peace instead of death in verse 6. With Christ, our mind is no longer hostile towards God in verse 7. Verse 8, with Christ, we can please God. We can make God happy. So God's kicking it with the heavens as his throne, the earth is his footstool. He's watching you and he gets to chuckle at the joy you bring him because you're with Christ. You get to make the God who created laughter laugh. You get to make the God who created joy be joyous. He is glad over you because you are with his son. Oh, we ain't done. We ain't done. With Christ, we belong to him. Verse 10, with Christ, our spirit is alive because of righteousness. Verse 11, because of Christ and with Christ, his spirit gives us, to, uh, his spirit gives life to our mortal bodies. Verse uh, 13, we live with Christ. Verse 14, we're led by the spirit with Christ. Verse 14, we are sons of God with Christ. Now we're getting to the passage. We know these ones, don't we? Verse 15, we have not received the spirit of slavery as long as we're with Christ. We can cry out to, uh, to our father, who is the son, Abba, Father, with Christ. We are children of God. Verse 16, with Christ. Fellow heirs, with Christ. Verse 17, verse 18, the suffering of this present time cannot compare to the glory to be revealed to us as long as we are with Christ. Verse 19, our bodies will soon, will soon be completely redeemed. You hear that? Do you hear that? I would tell you to raise your hand if you're over 60, but I don't want to be that dude, okay? But like, can we get an amen to that? With Christ... He's going, hey, I paved the way to have perfectly redeemed bodies one day. That will be true of you. You have been adopted to that with Christ. We ain't done. We're not done. Look at this. With Christ, we have hope, verse 24. The Spirit helps us in our weakness to pray for us in verse 27 when we are with Christ. Verse 28, God causes all things to work together for good according to his purpose when we are with Christ. Christ. Verse 29, we have, a, we have a glorious purpose to become conformed to the image of his son. That's crazy. You hear that? You can be like Jesus. Think of how your friends think of Jesus, right? Now, they're probably wrong in what they think about him, but how good and awesome he is. One day, you will be sinless like that. One day, there will be no fault, no falter, because you are with Christ. Okay, okay. I'll get excited for us. Um, we have a glorious purpose to be conformed to his image, to the image of his son. Uh, ready? Verse 30. He has foreknown us, predestined us, called us, justified us, and glorified us when we are with Christ. Verse 31. God is for us. You hear that? Like, like he's not just there, the, the daddy. No, no, no. He's rooting you on. He's for you. Like when the suffering comes, he's doing it because he loves you. When you are with Christ. Verse 32, he will freely give us all things. Verse 33, we can never, or we will, uh, we can have no charge brought against us. Now look at this one in verse, verse 35. This is my 28th point, okay? This is one point, one point. I could have made more, but I made this one point, okay? All in 35, you ready? We will never be able to se- be separated from the love of Christ. Tribulation will not separate us when, uh, when we are with Christ, with Christ's distress, will not separate us. With Christ's persecution, will not separate us. With Christ's famine, will not separate us. With Christ's nakedness, will not separate us. With Christ's peril, will not separate us. With Christ, the sword, will not separate us. Point 29. This is all one point. All in verse 38. Verse 37 says, we are overwhelming. Uh, we are, 
we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us even when persecuted all the day long. You ready? With Christ's death will not separate us. With Christ's life will not separate us. With Christ's angels will not separate us. With Christ's principalities will not separate us. With Christ's things present will not separate us. With Christ's things to come will not separate us. With Christ's powers will not separate us. With Christ's height will not separate us. With Christ's depth will not create us, uh, will not separate us. And look at verse uh, uh, 39.30. No, no created thing will separate us from the love of God, which is in, what's the name? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, get charismatic. It's okay. We had it. We're still learning. We don't know like how to build it up. I guess, you know, it's good. This is true. This is true. This is what we have been adopted to. This is such good news for us. Before I pray, um, I'd be foolish not to acknowledge the fact that this is not true for some people in the room. And I, I, like, I come from a background where, like, um, at this moment, my job would be to have everyone close their eyes, bow their heads, have you raise your hand if you want to come up front, give you a little gospel of John, whatever it is. But uh, instead, here, here's what we're going to do. In a moment, we're going to take some time and be and we'll get there. But I just want to state something. Um, everything that is good that we've talked about, that we've been adopted to, that we've been adopted for, that we've been adopted from, and whom we've been adopted by, that's not true for some of you. It's not. And um, I think by your own confession, you would say it's not true. I think you process, well, do I have this cry within me? No. Do I hate sin? No. Am I directed towards Jesus? No. But though you would acknowledge it's true, here's what's crazy. I think everything I'm trying to put in front of you, and more importantly, what, what Romans 8 just put in front of you, um, you think you're good. You think, you're, you think you don't need that. So, so hear me when I say this. I'm, I'm in eighth grade, and it's the first time I was brought into foster care. And I remember very distinctly uh, that the couple of months prior to this moment that I'm about to explain to you, I remember sleeping in a busted trailer, broken down backwoods trailer, mice crawling on me overnight. I remember it. I remember the smell of burning spoons, meth. I remember it all. And one day, I'd been in a couple drug busts in my life. One day, here comes the Calvary. They break down the door. They bust in, and they take myself, my younger brother, and my sister, and my, younger, uh, 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 my two younger cousins. Now, here's what's crazy. I was sleeping with mice the night before. I smelt drugs being cooked the night before. And you know what happened when the cops tried to separate me from my parents? I went kicking and screaming. No, 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 I want that. I I need that. I want to be there. Hear me. I believe you believe you're good. I believe that. But you're wrong. You're wrong. It is for your own good to take account of your life and to recognize that you have a spirit of slavery. And you do not have the benefits that I put in front of you. That all that waits you is death and judgment. And I'm not trying to be a doomsday preacher. It's just true. So I plead with you to know this. Know this clear as day. There is a seat at the table. You understand? This God is so clear in providing a seat at the table that he says at one point in the Gospel of Luke, he sends out invitations for people to come, and no one comes. So you know what he says? Invite everybody. You're welcome. If you're not adopted into the family of God, it's not because of God. It's because you've chosen not to partake of the goodness of the cross. 
and wrestle with your soul as, what, as to what that means. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the truth of Romans 8. That we are heirs. No, 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 not just heirs, fellow heirs with Christ. Father, there's a recognition in our hearts right now for those of us who are believers that you see us the way you see Jesus. Father, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you for moving us in that direction. Christ Jesus, thank you for providing a way. We're so grateful. In this moment, we sit and we relish in the fact that we've been adopted to a family that loves us, that wants to be with us, that we can cry, Abba, Father. Thank you so much. We love you. We praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.